Welcome to Thoughts Off the Stem. I'm Justin Baroni, and today we're smoking some MTL Cannabis Sage and Sour. Oh, this stuff is delicious, man. Its THC percentage is 25.28%, and it is every bit of that 25.28%. <laughs> it's a sativa, because lately... I've been dying for a good sativa, so I've been trying out some different stuff to see what I like and what I don't like. And I'm telling you, this MTL Cannabis Sage and Sour is delicious. It smokes nice, tastes delicious, but the high is super fucking creative, okay? Because every time I smoke this thing, I get on a weird, I don't know, tangent and stream of thought. Like the other day on Twitter, I think I may have come out come up with a new word <laughs> that I am going to utilize. And instead of calling these episodes, these are now going to be called sessions. Because really what I want to do is have recorded sessions for everybody, right? So that you can come down, smoke with me, or put this on and smoke with me whenever you want. And you always have a session, buddy. So hopefully, that's what this whole podcast thing turns out turns into, is one Big, I want a sesh, so let's have a sesh and we can talk about some dumb shit. You can talk at me if you want. <laughs> Excuse me. You can also email me at thoughtsoffthestempodcast at gmail.com. Because I set that up not too long ago because I wanted to see if I could get some feedback. See if there's some things that I can learn from anybody listening to this and how I can make it better for you, the listener. And what would you know? what kind of stuff you want to hear me talk about. If you want to hear me talk about anything at all. <laughs> but yeah, today we're smoking on the MTL Cannabis Sage and Sour. I've said that like three times now, so I think you guys got it. Again, I'm not getting paid by these guys to promote any of this stuff. I'm just telling you what I enjoy, what I try from the dispensaries, and uh, yeah, what I like. So this Sage and Sour Sativa is fucking awesome, man. Um, like I said, I came up with a new word, I think, sesha-sode. <laughs> so all these are now sesha-sodes, not episodes. And I hope you guys keep coming back to listening to them. Uh, I figured since last time we talked about uh, a little bit of personal development, it was pretty heavy. I figured I'd tell you a story. Uh, and I would talk about the fact that I'm partially bionic. Haha, <laughs> that's right. I got robot parts, baby. <laughs> See, when I was born, I was born with what they call Tetralogy of Fallot, and that is a hole the size, well, a hole that impedes the, the use of your heart, I guess, a hole in the dividing wall of your heart that allows blood to flow back and forth between two chambers, and it should not do that. The other part of that is that I had a mitral valve, the valve that allows blood to flow out of your heart. Uh, was leaky. So instead of it just going out, it would leak back in, which was obviously not very good. So when I was a kid, I had that fixed and it was all good until I hit 25. <laughs> and then when I was 25, uh, basically, uh, I was very unhealthy. I was excessively overweight. I was eating cheeseburgers all pretty much all day, every day for every meal. And, um, Let's see, smoking a shit ton of weed, uh, smoking a lot of cigarettes, smoking cigars, just generally not taking very good care of myself, my health, or anything like that. So what ended up happening was I ended up having tetralogy, or sorry, that was, <laughs> tetralogy of Fulo. That was the, that was the original condition. Um, I ended up having tachycardia, which essentially is the electricity that flows through your heart gets stuck. Now, because of the, um, scar tissue in my heart, 
from the surgeries, the electricity that's supposed to flow circular, essentially, got trapped in that little spot in the scar tissue. So instead of, you know, a regular heartbeat, my heart was pounding like double time, overtime. So what ended up happening was uh, my heart rate spiked to 242 beats a minute. Yeah, that's a lot, man. <laughs> I don't know if you know like what that's like, but essentially it feels like there's a tiny little baby fist inside your rib cage and your chest pounding on the inside trying to get out. Um, I sustained that with no side effects. Like we're talking, I, I should have, essentially I should have been dead from this whole situation, but I'm a fucking ox <laughs> and I don't want to die. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I didn't, <laughs> but this is how I became bionic. So one day when I was about, yeah, 25 years old, 24, 25, uh, I was playing tennis with my dad and his buddies again, highly out of shape. Still thought that I could play like I played sports when I was in high school and was like relative, you know, was pretty fit, man. I played sports all the time. Um, And I went full steam. Anyway, I guess my body and my sedentary lifestyle had decided that, nope, you can't do this shit anymore, man, because you're not taking care of yourself. So at the end of this tennis game, I was, uh, you know, out of breath and stuff and like the regular kind of thing. And uh, I was out of breath. So I was trying to figure out or I mean, I was trying to calm down, get my heart rate to calm down and everything like that. And next thing I know, it's still beating. I'm on the drive home and it's still pounding. Like I'm not sweating anymore. I'm not, you know, no problems other than this heavy, heavy ass heart rate. So what do I do? I figure it's a great idea to have smoke. That'll calm me down. (laughs) So stupidest shit you could do. So I have a smoke. Doesn't help because it actually raises your heart rate slightly. So it just kept it right there. I get home and I figure, you know, I'm just out of shape. So this heart rate's going to go down a little bit and it'll eventually go down. Well, by like eight or nine o'clock at night, still same exact thing. So I'm at my parents uh, doing some laundry before I go back to my apartment and uh, I'm running up flights of stairs. I'm doing all this and nothing. You know, the uh, the only thing that was going on was I couldn't keep any food down and I couldn't drink any water. Or I mean, if I drank any water, it would just come out you know. So after sustaining this for, I think it was like 12 hours at this point, I figured, you know what? Weed will calm me down. (laughs) Now this is a situation where weed is not the ideal cure (laughs) or the ideal medicine to help you out. Okay. This is like the worst thing you could do. So I'm sitting there smoking at the time poppers. If you don't know what poppers are, check out the poppers episode because uh, don't do them. Don't get into them. They're the fucking crack of weed. But anyway, I was doing these poppers and I was trying to calm my heart rate down. Next thing I know, I'm lying in bed. Basically, my brain, you know, subconsciously is going, you're fucking dying, man. And me going, no, 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 (laughs) it's fine. I'll be okay. So that happened until about 6 a.m. the next day when finally I was like, you know what, something's seriously wrong. This is not stopping. So I called my mommy. (laughs) I said, I got to go to the hospital. I got to get my heart checked out. So my mom comes to get me (laughs) and takes me to the emergency room at the hospital. Now, at this point, I'm starting to fade. Because I've been up for like 24 hours, you know, obviously I'm dying. I'm actually dying and I, I refuse, my body and mind are refusing to accept this. So we get to the, the emergency room. I go in and they sit you down in this little smaller room where they assess you. 
the woman, the way you figure it out is you get hooked up to like uh, an ECG machine and uh, like a heart rate monitor and blood pressure monitor. So she's got me hooked up to this machine. As soon as she turns it on, the fuck, the thing goes from zero to 242 beats a minute. And she's like, oh, it's broken. And I'm looking at her like, no, lady, it's not broken. So I grab her hand and I put it on my chest. And I go, can you feel that? Because you can feel it if you put your hand on my chest. You can feel the pounding from my heart. So she refuses to believe me. Oh, that was a fuck up on her part. But anyway, so she refuses to believe me and sends me back out into the waiting room. Well, now at this point, I'm really starting to deteriorate. So I had to go into the bathroom and, you know, do what you got to do in that situation, which is not keep anything in your body. <laughs> so um, my dad was on his way down to the hospital because uh, my mom had called him. So when he gets there, I'm in the bathroom with my head like on the side of this toilet, which is gross enough because it's a hospital toilet, uh, just essentially emptying my entire body. And uh, he sees me and I'm green apparently. I was green at this point. So all I heard, because I'm kind of not out, not going unconscious or anything, but I'm definitely fading. So uh, all I hear is the bathroom door open and my dad's booming voice start yelling at everybody in the emergency room. Finally, about four doctors come in. They grab me up off the floor, throw me on a table, and they strap me down. Because like I said, I was fat, man. <laughs> I was like, at the time, I think I was like, uh, I'm 5'11", and I was 265 or 270 pounds no muscle on me whatsoever at this point, just straight rolls of fat, okay? <laughs> so they strapped me to this table. The uh, my, my partner at the time, my girlfriend, she, who was living with me, she hadn't made it to the hospital yet um, because it was obviously just a big rush and she didn't come right away. Um, so I'm on the table and the ER doctor is looking me in the face. He goes, okay, this is what we have to do. We have to paddle you. We have to make sure, you know, like in the, when they rub the paddles together and they go, okay, clear, and they hit you with it. Yeah, man, that's what I got. I got one of them. So the doctor tells me, you have to, we have to do this. And I was like, all right, man, here's my question. Now, keep in mind, I'm dying. I'm actually dying. So <laughs> I look at the doctor and I, I grab him by the collar and I go, okay, what are the chances I come out of this? Like, am I going to die here or am I going to, like, am I going to be able to, like, am I coming back? And he goes, if we do it now, you have a better chance. He goes, but honestly, it's 50-50. I said, all right, then I got to wait for my girl to get here because if I die, I want to at least have been able to say goodbye to everybody because my parents were already there. And, you know, so anyway, so he goes, look, we don't have that kind of time. He goes, you need to do it. So, so he goes, but I can't without you saying okay or until you pass out. So if you pass out, then they can do it, I guess. But so anyway, so I grab his collar and I pull him in closer. I go, you, if I die, you have to explain to her what happened. And you have to tell her that I didn't want to do this without her here. He goes, all right, man, no problem. <laughs> so he obviously wasn't as jovial about it as that. I mean, like he, he was pretty matter of fact to the point. But. So he goes, fine. So, all right. They load me up with some drugs. He goes, look, you're going to fall asleep. We would do this. I guess if you're older, they do it when you're awake because there's a good chance that the drugs themselves can cause problems. Because of my age at the time being 25, it was less of a problem if uh, if I took the drugs. So they put, they put me out. I started to you know fall asleep, whatever, and then they paddled me. 
Now, I came too. Yay, I'm alive. <laughs> As you can tell, because I'm doing this podcast. Duh. <laughs> but anyway. <clears throat> so, there's a nurse unstrapping my arms and stuff. And I look over at her. And she goes, oh, hey. She goes, how are you feeling? And I go, did I die? That was the first words out of my mouth. Did I die? She goes, no. I go, not even for like a second? She goes, no. I go, how long was I out? She goes, like, maybe 10 seconds. I said, really? Because I'll tell you what. That paddle, that reset on the heart, oh, man. It felt like I had slept for three years. I felt so good. (laughs) So good in comparison. I felt, yeah, I felt amazing. But here's one thing that I that you guys should know is that you know how in TV shows when they paddle the guy and like he bounces off the table? Yeah, that shit happens. My parents were saying that they didn't get to see it because they pulled the curtain around. They didn't get to see it, but the when the doctor paddled me, apparently I jumped off the table. Like, you know, you get an electric shock. So you like there's a there's some force in there and your muscles all spasm, I'm assuming. So I don't know. I was out, thank God, because I can imagine how much this would freaking hurt. But so I get the paddles, and apparently my body just slams back down on the on the you know like the gurney thing, the table that I'm on in the in the emergency room, so loud to the point where everybody in the room went silent. And when I woke up, the curtains were being drawn back and everybody was staring at my section. <laughs> I always knew I was hot shit. <laughs> but, but god damn, it was pretty unnerving to have all those people there. I was also extremely happy that I was not dead, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, that was crazy. But it also meant that now I had to spend a few weeks in the hospital, obviously making sure that my previous heart condition was okay and like, you know, no more bad things were gonna happen. We found out that this was potentially like a fluke. It could happen again. It may never happen again, don't know. But the best way to deal with it was to put, uh, to implant a defibrillator and pacemaker. Now, this is the best part about the situation, okay? It's a tiny little like, It almost looks like a really small cell phone that sits inside your skin underneath, uh, sometimes underneath your muscle on like the left side of your body under your left boob. (laughs) So um, then it has, then from this little, it's like, it's essentially those paddles inside you ready to go. So you don't have to wait for anybody. If your heart rate changes and it's, and it changes for too long a period of time, you get your own paddles. It does it for itself. So here's the thing. You can try to kill me, but you can't kill me, man. My blood will always pump, baby. (laughs) So I'm bionic. I'm a bad motherfucker. (laughs) So this thing, and I saw the x-ray. The x-rays are fucking cool as shit. There's a little, like I said, if you're staring at somebody's chest, okay, on an x-ray, there's a, on, when you're looking over the, like, to the, well, if you're looking at it, it's to the right, but on you, it's on the left side of your heart, and it's a little battery pack, essentially, with these two wires that go all the way through, uh, behind your collarbone, and then down through your, I'm not sure the exact terminology of this, but, like, whatever the main artery is that goes down into your heart they dangle in there and then what they do is they record and they assess your heart rate so if you if i were to have a heart rate that high ever again if i if i had it for longer if i have it for longer than like 
I don't know, I think it's like 30 seconds or something like that, then I'll get a shock automatically. And on the reverse of that, if my heart rate dips too low, then the pacemaker part of it sends an electrical pulse to bring up the heart rate to an acceptable level. I know what you're thinking. Fuck, that sounds scary. You know what I think in this situation? This is fucking cool as shit. I could get into a fight, get stabbed, and I'm fine. <laughs> you can shoot me right in the heart, and I'm okay. I mean, I'm not okay. Don't do that. <laughs> and, and please, if this, I'm just kidding for the most part. Like, these things actually did happen. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not death proof, okay? And nor is anybody with one of these things. But it is kind of fun to fuck with people in that way. You know, like, especially when you're younger and your friends are all, you know, tough guys or want to be tough guys or whatever and they're fucking around with you and you go, look, man, you can do whatever you want, but you can't kill me because my blood will always pump. And uh, it's true. If the pacemaker starts to work, it will make your heart pump. If you have no blood in it, you're obviously not going to do very well, but it will always run until the battery dies out, which is kind of funny and sad because I had found, I had heard about some older people that had this where they passed away from, you know, like natural causes or whatever, but they had this pacemaker in and the pacemaker kept their heart beating. So as long as the doctors, and again, I don't know if this is 100% right, but this is what I remember from a discussion that I had with some family friends and uh, the doctors as well at the, at the hospital when I was there. So they had a situation where the pa a patient had died, or not a patient, a friend of the, uh, a friend of ours parent had a pacemaker. She passed away and they ended up having to get like legal releases for the doctors to actually declare her dead because she had a heartbeat. Now, again, she was deceased, but she had a heartbeat because the pacemaker kept working. So they had to get like a, from I think an injunction to have the pacemaker turned off. Now, again, I could be very wrong on this, I, but I do remember a conversation where it was a hard time to, to it was a hard time for the hospital and the family uh, to, to sort of finalize this situation, and it was because of the pacemaker. So now, on the upside for me, I don't have to use this pacemaker. It's not in use all the time. It's just there as a precaution. Same thing with the defibrillator part, but that's awesome to me because I'm like, yeah, no matter what, I don't have to worry, and I will push my limits if I can. I mean, I'm not going to be stupid and try and kill myself, but like they'll tell me, oh, the leads are behind your collarbone, so don't work out. Well, I'm no longer 270 pounds because I started working out again, and I was you know, trying to do my best to get back into shape, so now I'm down to about 200 pounds, roughly, give or take a bit, but I'm in the best shape of my life now, and I'm telling you right now, I do everything that I can. I lift weights, not crazy heavy weights, but like, you know, a couple hundred pounds for sure here and there. So, you know, the the doctors kept telling me like, oh, you can't lift your arms over your head with more than 30 pounds. Yeah, that's some bullshit, man. I'm a tough motherfucker. <laughs> At least I like to pretend I am. <laughs> so, no, I try. I try to push it a bit. But I also have uh, follow-ups for this. 
every six months. So every year, twice a year, I go and I lay down for 15 minutes in a, you know, in a bed at the hospital and they put a little mouse over, over top of my chest and it just records everything that's happened in the previous six months. Whether there's been any events or whether I've had to be, to be paced, like the pacemakers had to work or whether the, you know, I've gotten any shocks, the paddle thing, uh, the defibrillator part of it. And it's always fine because I think I, I push a little bit and I work out because my thought is your heart is a muscle. If your doctors are telling you you shouldn't limit yourself to your physical activity or you should you can go this far, you should do that. You should try it because the more that you can work out a muscle, the better it will be. The more that you make it depend on like this defibrillator or pacemaker to maintain what it's supposed to do, I feel like, and I again, not a doctor, I feel like it's just inhibiting your ability to repair yourself and for your muscle and body to get better and healthier. Same thing with taking some drugs. Like like when I say drugs, I mean like um, I mean like blood thinners and things like that. Because I had an initial argument with my doctor about taking blood thinners because I don't like to take pills and stuff if I don't have to. I will always try to go sort of the uh, sort of go go the like organic route, I guess you can say. And I'm honest and open with them about weed smoking and they're not overly concerned about it for me. That doesn't mean it's the same for you. I'm just saying for me, okay? So if you're doing any of this stuff, you have any of these same problems or you're curious, talk to your doctor about it. Don't take my word for it at all because this is only my experience and these are the things that I know of myself and the discussions that I have with my doctor, which obviously I'm not going to get fully into here. But I'm saying I hope that this, you know, is kind of like a cool, a cool situation because I know a lot of people look at these situations as very uh, negative, as like, oh my god, it's the end of my life and blah. You know what, man? Fuck that. This is basically something that gives you an extra lease on life. These kinds of things not only like mentally put you in a different space and can be good or bad depending on how you take it, but they can also, and this is the best part, they can also. Be an awesome story, man. An introduction. You need to meet new people. People ask you questions. You know a lot of shit about this stuff because you've been through it. It's fucking cool. I don't know. I like saying that I'm bionic. And also, in one episode, don't tell anyone. I'm going to do my Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. I'm telling you. This is going to be good. It's going to go along with the bionic, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, so I am partially bionic. That's right. I before all these motherfuckers started putting like chips in their head and fucking tracking things in their wrists and arms and all that cool shit and trying to get like, you know, what is it? Uh like micro fuck, I don't know. Man. Nanobots. Yeah, that's it. Like trying to add nanos nanobots and stuff like that to your body. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking shit. I need to smoke another bowl. Let's smoke another bowl. 23 minute bowl break. <laughs> But yeah, no, I like I was bionic before all that stuff. All of these like Elon Musk putting that, you know, that one consciousness thing in your head and thinking about all these different avenues of technology that can be implanted in humans. That happened to me before you. <laughs> I'm not a pioneer, but I am definitely early on in this shit. And I still don't know how I agree with putting other things in me, but this one seems to be doing all right. <laughs> And they come with upgrades. Every 10 years, I get a new one. 
So I, whenever anybody asks me what I got to do, I say, hey, man, I'm going in for an upgrade. Going in to get my oil changed and all that shit. They're going to take out my old battery, put in a new one. It's fun. Whenever you have kind of div- uh, adversity like that and you have these, you know, moments where in, in, whenever you have these moments where you have a choice to look at something negative or you have a choice to look at it positively, take the positive. You know, yeah, some stuff, some diseases, some things like that, they suck and absolutely suck. But the more positive you are about dealing with it, the fun that you can find in it, and I know not everything is fun, but if you can find that, it will definitely help your sanity when dealing with things like this. Like, okay, here's a good example. I'm sitting in the hospital bed after I've had, or no, sorry, a week before I'm actually getting the defibrillator implanted. So I had to wait, I think it was a week or two to be scheduled for surgery. And I had to stay in the hospital because obviously they have to monitor me and make sure that nothing happens. So I'm in there and I have this one nurse that keeps checking on me like all the time because she's paranoid that the leads are going to fall off because I'm on an ECG monitor, my heart rate's up, uh, up on the monitor behind me. and, And she was just very like, attentive but like too much so so one night I was sitting with my parents before they left or they were sitting with me I guess I'm lying in the bed I start to realize that I could slow my breathing enough and my heart rate so that it can't be read by the monitor (laughs) now if you've never been in a hospital (laughs) and you don't know what it's like when all of a sudden you hear the and then you can hear it at like the staff center, like the little spot in the middle where all the nurses and, and people are and all the information. Yeah, man. So I would slow it and then all of a sudden it would slow and then my monitor would go <laughs> flatline. And then you'd hear the nurses all start moving because you hear the beep in there saying, hey, something's wrong. And then they'd come in and I'd be sitting up in bed having a conversation. And they'd be like, what the hell? You're le-? Uh. And then they figured what they always thought because this happens too, was that your leads fell off, the little sticky things that are monitoring it all over your body. They think that those fell off. And I'm laughing because they've got the sheet off me. They're poking and prodding me like a little piggy, like cattle, as if they're, you know, trying to tenderize me for food. <laughs> and they're rolling me over like, what the hell's going on here? And then I, and then I take a big breath and I, and I, you know, start breathing heavy and boom, heart rate right back up on the monitor and they can't figure it out. <laughs> so finally I was like, no, I can slow my heart rate to do that. And they're like, no, you can't. So at one point I had, what was it? Like four nurses and one doctor standing in my room, watching me slow my heart rate to the point where the monitor could not read it. I still had it because like I had, you know, they were taking my pulse at the same time. But how fucking cool is that, man? If I had a negative outlook on shit, if I didn't have this whole like, oh, what can I do here? How fun, what kind of fun can I have? If I didn't have that attitude in that situation, nothing like that would ever happen. And like, I would imagine it would just be the saddest, sorriest place you could possibly be. And I feel like no matter where you're at, I mean, you know, I feel like no matter where you're at, you can find the fun in the situation. So, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is, like, shit seems bad sometimes, but there's always some kind of cool fucking thing that comes out of it. There's always something. You just got to find it. You got to have an open mind to things. You got to be able to, you know, you got to be able to just 
see the humor in all aspects of life. Because trust me, there's humor in everything, man. Like, and, and not everybody gets it, but the people that don't get humor, I think are a little bit uptight. Maybe wound a little too tight, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, so that is my story of how I became partially bionic. <laughs> I'm like the thousand dollar man. <laughs> Cause like there's no there's none of that. There's no slow mowing of time or anything. There's just okay. If my heart does something wacky, I know that uh, you know there's a couple electrodes in there that'll jump start it to where it needs to be. Yeah, I'm partially bionic, <laughs> and I'm totally high. I hope you guys are totally high, and I hope you're enjoying this. Oh. Hey, all right, so let's just switch for a second here before I end the episode. I did an episode, I think it was episode 11, where I had talked about um, late night shopping sprees. And I was trying to, I talked about these wish things that I had ordered, you know, on on the cheap. (laughs) Okay, if you haven't heard that episode, go listen to it because this will make sense. Everything that came in, came in smashed. (laughs) None of it worked. I got a watch, smashed. Broken, completely broken. I got a chain, smashed. <laughs> now granted, these are only like two, three dollar items. <laughs> and I know they have nothing to do with this whole heart thing. I just thought of it. But, um, and what else did I get? Oh, and I got a ring. And the ring, <laughs> I was looking forward to the ring to be honest. This little two dollar pot leaf ring. I was pretty excited for it. Anyway, it came in and it was flat. Like somebody had put it underneath one of the things they used to load the truck with, like a reach truck or a, you know, a, a, a forklift or something, and backed over it like four times. It was flat as shit, man. Now, on the upside to this, I took the pictures of it and I put it back into the wish thing and was like, hey, these all broke. And they were, or they were all broken when I got them. And Wish refunded all the money, which was good. But yeah, man. So that's the end of the Wish ordering spe- ordering sprees for me because fuck those guys. <laughs> how do you how do you send me four things and they're all fucking broken, every single one of them? Ugh, that's not true. I ordered another chain because I really want a thick chain. I'm Italian. Fuck off, okay? <laughs> Dude, I'm getting high as balls. This sour and sage is fucking wicked. But yeah, I ordered another chain. It's probably the last thing. Oh, no, I lied. I also ordered dart flights because I need more dart flights. Those are going to take like three years to show up. But still. Yeah, so that's the update on my wish. My wish shopping spree from uh, from episode 11. Sorry, it took so long, but uh, I just remembered it now. <laughs> In case you were wondering. Not that I think anybody cares about that. <laughs> uh, well... That's the episode for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you uh, enjoyed the story of my journey to becoming bionic. I think I'll stop at that. I don't think I'm going to add any more implants or anything if I don't have to. (laughs) And the only thing I think I'm going to do is probably start to work out again because uh, I'm starting to get a bit of a belly and I need to get rid of this belly. Uh, I need to get my shoulders and my back back, baby. I need it. I need it. (laughs) (laughs) man this episode is something else i don't know i hope you guys enjoyed it i hope you had a good one i hope you enjoy your weekend and thank you for joining me again uh on thoughts off the stem and come back every friday at 4 20 p.m on spotify anchor 
Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever there's a podcast, you can find me. I hope. I'm pretty sure I got it out everywhere. Check out our merch store at teespring.com. Fucking hour. It's not ours. It's mine. Well, I mean, it's yours too because I hope you guys like the stuff. So, okay, it's ours. It's ours now. All right? <laughs> it's ours. Teespring.com slash stores slash TOTS420. And I just put out some new designs that are slick. I'm constantly putting out these videos on uh, Instagram where, uh, you know, it's bowl time, baby. And we smoke a bowl, have a little mini sesh. Uh, if you haven't seen them, check out Thoughts Off the Stem on Instagram. Um, yeah, so I made up some uh, t-shirts that say Tots 420 on the front uh, in small writing. And then on the back, it's it's bowl time, baby. Those are... I don't know. I kind of like those. I thought those were a great idea. So have a good weekend. Roll them up. Light a bowl. Smoke them. Stay high. Have a great time. And join us every Friday for new Sessisodes. That's right. Sessisodes, baby. Have a good one.